we're rolling, we're rolling. We fought all day. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Welcome in, football fans, your weekly edition of your NFL Full 10 Yards podcast on Pancake Day. So, of course, I've got a couple of tossers on the podcast with me tonight. Lawrence, how are you, my friend, the chief tosser, if there ever was one? Thank you very much. I, I was going to say, you, you, kind of, you kind of beat me to the punch on the, on the, on the pancake punnage there, because I was going to say, obviously, we're going to be talking about wide receivers today. But we really should be talking about offensive linemen because they're pancake blocking. Indeed, my friend. Indeed, we should have we should have thought about it in advance and got really topical, shouldn't we? There we go. There we go. Wasted opportunity. Never mind, buddy. Never mind. And James, welcome you in for the second week running, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right. Um, much like a pancake, feeling a little bit flat, but uh, otherwise, good to go. Well, let's hope we can cheer you up, mate, over the course of the next hour or so as we talk some football. Let's move into it, boys. Quite a interesting bit of news, of course, has broke this week, so let's get into that in first down. First down. So, of course, the news that I am referring to is that the owners of the NFL franchises have already, from their perspective, agreed the terms of the new collective bargaining agreement. And we're not going to go through it, boys, in line-by-line detail, because, as you can imagine, there's plenty of stuff that is covered off in here. But let's just pick out probably, well, let's, let's pick up certainly the biggest key point that's come out and he's obviously been much talked about. I am, of course, referring to a 17-game season been something that's been whispered about for a while. It would see a reduction in pre-season down to three games, and it would also see the introduction of a secondary bye week. Um, So, obviously, taking into consideration there some of the concerns that had previously been raised, the owners would look at it that they're not actually adding any additional games. They're actually um, only keeping the same number of games, and they're obviously adding an extra rest week in between. Um, so let's get some instant reaction. James, let's come to you. Um, probably a little bit with your fantasy head on as well, mate. Probably exciting from a fantasy perspective. Probably extends the fantasy season. But just your initial thoughts on a 17-game season. Well, yeah, my first thought naturally went to fantasy. And I was like, hang on, that's going to be 19 weeks. So potentially an 18-week fantasy season. Two bye weeks to contend with. And so many other little things to think of on the side. You know, when is the last game that... You're going to allow a bye week on, uh, you know, how, how spaced apart are the bye weeks going to be? It's going to be pandemonium, but it's going to be brilliant, potentially. I mean, it opens up so many different um, options for playoffs in fantasy leagues. So it could be very interesting in that side of the world. And then, obviously, there's still a bit of a problem that the players aren't necessarily on board with it yet by the sounds of things. And so the extra wear and tear and you've got the financial concerns about, you know, if they're gonna, there's going to be an extra game to play. But it does also say, we were talking to Tim beforehand about how this could be another notch in the belt towards um, a London franchise, even with so many more games. That gives you an extra team that can come over to London, potentially, or even another set of four. So it really does open up a lot of possibilities. Although, 
the amount of players that have been going down injured in recent years, you know, the attrition rates seems to have gone up a little bit of late. And how many, you know, one extra game of wear and tear each year, how many more serious injuries are we going to end up getting? So, I mean, I, I still can't say I've decided whether I like it or not, but it's, uh, it's from a fantasy head on, it could be fantastic. Yeah, certainly like so from a fancy perspective, it, it certainly adds some intrigue there. Lawrence, just you know, just purely from the game's perspective itself, one of the other things being talked about, of course, is an increase to the playoff field, um, which has probably been another one that's quite controversial. Talking around having 14 teams as opposed to 12 in the playoff bracket. Um, and of course, that would mean that only the number one seed in the conference gets a bye in week number one of the playoffs. If that goes ahead, obviously, there'll be massive, massive incentive for that number one seed. But I suppose on the back end of it, it doesn't feel right that, you know, a team at probably seven and nine, you know, even six and ten possibly um, could sneak into the playoffs, does it? It's like kissing your sister, isn't it? If you... Um... If you enter the playoffs and you're seven and nine, I mean, eight and eight, okay, you can just about scrape through on a wild card. But you just, and, and the, the problem I think with the whole thing at the moment is, is it's, it's going to be this big transition phase. I think the NFL like numbers to be nice and even. So I don't think they liked it when they didn't have an even number of teams that you could split exactly in half. So they love the fact that the NFL's 32 teams, 16 in each conference, 16 games. So to get 17 games, all, all I'm thinking of, the first thing I, I thought of when it was announced that we're going to you know, potentially go to 17, I immediately thought 18. Because I thought the NFL's just not going to be comfortable with 17 games. It's just not an even amount of games. It's, it's ugly. You're going to get these kind of weird records and and it's just not that whole kind of sort of symmetry parity that whole thing is just it's not going to feel right and I think diluting the playoffs yes of course there's more money for the owners um for the you know the the fat cats are going to get more money out of it the fans obviously if you're a if you're a home fan and you're getting a playoff game that you you weren't necessarily going to get the year before great but I think diluting the playoffs by adding more teams is is bad. Um, I'm, I'm not opposed to the kind of number one seed being the only one getting that kind of home field advantage throughout. But I'm not a fan of expanding the amount of playoff teams. And I just think, as I say, I don't think the NFL are going to rest comfortably until they've got an 18-game regular season. Yeah, I think it's going to rumble on, isn't it, boys? Because the initial reaction, certainly from the players that have been quite vocal on Twitter, is one, if we're being honest, of quite a lot of negativity. Um, I'm yet to actually see anybody come out from a player's perspective and publicly at least say that they are going to sort of sign and agree to the proposal. Um, so, James, do you think this one's going to probably run and run and it's going to dominate the talk throughout the course of the off-season? Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to run and run. I just hope it doesn't do what the NHL did with the whole lockout situation back in 2004. Um, I don't think it'll come to that, thankfully, but um, I think there's a lot of things to cross out. I wouldn't even shock me if there ends up being a bridge deal and we end up with one year very much on last year's terms and then next year ends up, they have a year thrashing it out. There's so many ways this could end up going legally and 
everything else. So uh, it's going to be one of those watch this space. There'll be plenty of column inches and plenty of podcast chats about it. So uh, we shall see. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does make you wonder, doesn't it, Lawrence? I quite like the idea that James just said there about a bridge, if you like, to sort of get through the next season um, and get back round the negotiating table. But this hasn't come as a surprise. Everybody knew that this was due this season. So it, you, you kind of think, why is it that we leave it so close to the vest without an agreement in place? Because ultimately, if we do end up with a lockout, no one's going to win, are they? No, no. I mean, we know, we know kind of we've, Fans have got used to the format of, of how pre-seasons worked and the fact that, you know, once you get beyond that second game, the third game and the, the, that fourth game is just, you know, completely inconsequential for anyone who's actually going to be on that 53-man roster come week one. And, and we kind of, you know, we, we live with it because we know what it is. They're not pretending it to be anything else. But to kind of remove one of those games and suddenly everything gets heightened in terms of that preparation for the season and then obviously we we move to the extra game I, I can see it happening I can see the owners wanting to push that through this you know money talks ultimately and this is a this is a money making um, thing so I, I, I can see it happening painfully but I can see it happening yeah, it will be an interesting one to watch this space. Of course, from a UK perspective, just to make everyone aware, if you didn't know, the TV deal um, essentially is up for negotiation in this off-season as well. And I suppose one of the um, sort of added impacts, if you like, of not potentially having a labour agreement in the league will be that until that's defined, it's going to be very difficult to sort out any TV deal. So that will probably go to the wire with Sky Sports announcing it an hour before kick-off of the first Thursday night game, as they usually do. Um, but uh, I'm sure the NFL UK Facebook page will blow up as it normally does. Um, so we'll I've, get our information from there. I was going to say, I've been there over the past 30 odd years. I've been there so many times when the deal hasn't, you know, wasn't going to get signed, wasn't going to get signed. And then somehow Sky sort it out. So I'm, I'm a bit more relaxed. I've kind of I've lived and breathed through these negotiations many, many, many times. Yeah, I'm sure it will sort itself out in the end. Um, obviously, a number of people that will be hoping it gets sorted out pretty quickly are the latest college prospects that are currently, or some of them certainly currently, are at Indianapolis um, for the NFL Combine. We're not going to talk about it much on here at all, but just point you in the direction of the podcast that Lee put out this morning um, with regards to what is involved there. But obviously, boys, a chance for the latest prospects to shine on the NFL um, stage for the first time. Um, but, you know, the thing that I actually enjoy about the Combine, just putting my NFL head on here and not the college head, um, is it's actually one of the first times of the off-season that we get some media coverage with the general managers and that type of thing. So it's an interesting insight to see how teams are feeling as we start off the um, you know the 2020 campaign in earnest. Free agency just around the corner. Um, so it definitely does feel as though the off-season is one and truly in full swing. Right, fellas. Let's get on to the bulk of what we want to talk about today. We've covered quarterbacks and running backs over the last couple of weeks. Let's talk now about people receiving the ball as we get into second down. Second down. 
If the NFL is indeed a passing league, then you need someone at the other end of the ball to catch it. And we're living in a little bit of a golden era for wide receivers. Um, you know, plenty of household names that suit up week in and week out. Um, we're going to do this in a couple of stages. So Lawrence is going to talk us through some wide receivers heading towards free agency. And then James is going to talk to us just around one of the names that, you know, isn't a free agent, but certainly lots of trade rumours. And then we'll just talk about the position in general, you know, who's probably overpaid for what they produce, um, you know, who's some of the names to keep a lookout for in 2020. And then, of course, the boys are already excited about the fact that in third down, I will quiz them on their receptions knowledge from the 2019 season. So without further ado, Lawrence, let's come across to you, mate. And probably the biggest name in free agency is Amari Cooper. Um, obviously, with the Cowboys, they potentially have a little bit of a headache with Dak Prescott also negotiating at the same time. So give us the lo- the lowdown on Amari Cooper. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy who was actually drafted in the top 10 by the Raiders back in 2015. When he was drafted, he was actually still only 20 years old. So you think, wow, Amari Cooper's been in the league for five seasons, but he's still only 25 years old. So he's still got a you know a huge amount of um, seasons, playing time, touchdowns ahead of him. He was and is the only free agent receiver who had 70 or more catches and over a 1,000 yards in the 2019 regular season. So, as you say, Sean, he is without doubt the top wide receiver free agent um, as we enter the sort of melee, which is about to start. He's remarkably played in four Pro Bowls, not as a starter. He's he's been an injury replacement a couple of times. He's had over 5,000 yards receiving in his career so far. And he's averaging just under seven touchdowns a season. So first three years with Oakland, then spent um, six games with Oakland in 2018 and then moved over to the Dallas Cowboys mid-season and got Cowboys fans very, very excited. The Cowboys ended up in 2018 going two games deep into the playoffs. Um, And then obviously we had the very disappointing season and I'm not saying this as a um, kind of sour grapes thing as a as a Redskins fan because I predicted the Cowboys to do incredibly well um, for the 2019 season and they they pretty much you know failed miserably but Amari Cooper had his personal best season in terms of yardage just 1,189 yards and he also had his highest amount of touchdowns with eight So what we've got is a situation with the Cowboys that they've got to negotiate some big contracts. And obviously Dak Dak Prescott, the quarterback, and Amari, they've got Ezekiel Elliott signed from last season. But that was pretty painful. And and Zeke missed all of the off-season programme with the Cowboys. And I think that had quite a detrimental effect on on the Cowboys season last year. You can't just plug in a superstar right at the start of a season without them going through an off-season programme. So who could potentially be the new home for Amari Cooper? Well, 
the likelihood is that the Cowboys will do all they can. Jerry Jones will manipulate um, the numbers to try and keep him. But there's going to be a lot of interest on the free agent market. As, as we've kind of said, I think, um, offline about the Redskins needing a receiver. I've looked at it. I think the entire NFC East could do with Amari Cooper. So in terms of talent, if you to look at it with the Eagles, the Giants and the Redskins, the Eagles probably stand the, the best shot at potentially interesting Cooper to come over. And then if we look elsewhere around the league, you've got some teams that just are completely without receivers. You've got the Jets. If AJ Green doesn't sign with the Bengals, they need help. The Bills need help. The Broncos, they've got Cortland Sutton, but not a lot else. The Dolphins, obviously, you know, they're they're gonna be going they're gonna be starting from scratch with the pretty much the entire roster. They've got a huge, huge draft upcoming, lots and lots of picks. Then of course you've got the New England Patriots who always love to sign these big high profile veteran receivers. And then you've also got teams like the Steelers. So Juju Smith-Schuster didn't come up with the goods last season as a number one. Obviously, we have Antonio Brown, we know 100% is not going back to Pittsburgh, despite anyone thinking that that might happen. So you've got the Steelers as a possibility. Salary-wise, with Amari Cooper, I mean, he, he is going to warrant one of the top salaries in the entire league. I think Julio Jones is, is getting paid the most just over 20 million a season in terms of average. So Amari Cooper's probable cost is going to be between 18 and 20 million in terms of a season. We'd be looking at a four or five year deal. So it could be up to a a hundred million dollar contract for him. So if you had to put me on the spot, I've got a short list of three. If it's not the Cowboys, which I still think is probably the most likely scenario. So I've got either the Bills, the Broncos or the Eagles as my um, top people that would would generate some interest. So, gents, where where are you coming from on the Amari Cooper sweepstakes? Yeah, James, I'll come to you with that question. Um, You know, I think, you know, Cooper's hitting free agency at a good time from his perspective. It's not the biggest of markets, which we'll touch on shortly as Lawrence gives us a rundown on a few of the other guys that potentially will hit the market. Um, so what's your view on that, James? I'm in agreement with that. I think the most likely outcome is he stays in Dallas. I think they have, I mean, obviously they've got a lot of contracts to put together, but I do think they get it done. Um, I mean, they still, I think they've got the fifth highest cap space in the league. And the only team above them who, well, apart from the Dolphins, the only team above them who would be wide receiver needy and on the list would be the Bills. So, but the Bills seem reluctant with the idea of going for anyone decent at wide receiver anyway, which when Josh Allen is being is your quarterback, I can understand that you're not going to want to overspend on your receiving talent when you're probably going to look at running the ball a lot. So I can't see the Bills going that way. I love the concept of either the Patriots or the Steelers taking them on, but I just don't think they'd make the cap work, however much the Patriots would probably try. Um, so I'd say staying in Dallas is probably the most likely outcome by quite some distance. 
Yeah, it will certainly be interesting. He's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, Lawrence, give us a few other guys that potentially hit in the free agent market. Um, you know, I've just alluded to it, probably a good year for Amari Cooper. Um, you know, he's certainly the standout one of the group. But give us a few others that might sneak under the radar. Yeah, I mean, the ones that I'm looking at are all in their kind of mid-20s. So, obviously, we've got these big, older veteran players, the likes of Emmanuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, Demarius Thomas. But I'm, I'm going with some kind of slightly under-the-radar names. Firstly, um, Alan Lazard, 24 years old, high school All-American from Iowa State, undrafted, um, went on the Jaguars practice squad in 2018, play, had one catch in 2018. The guy's six foot five. Um, he he had a little bit of a breakout with the Packers due to injury. Didn't really get a chance to shine in the playoffs. He had just three catches in two games. But this is a big load of a human being at six foot five. And if Aaron Rodgers likes him, there's clearly you know there's clearly some um, prospects for him going forward. It could be that the Packers re-sign him. That's the, it's a name to look out for. Another one I've got is Demarcus Robinson, who's kind of hung around with the Chiefs for four seasons, hasn't missed a game. He's suited up in all 64 games that he possibly could in his NFL career. He needs an opportunity to move up. It's, it's recorded that he was a starter this season for, for 10 games, but I wouldn't technically call him a starter. He might have been on there on the first snap, but he, he wasn't really kind of acting as a starter. He keeps improving over, over his seasons, apart from his kind of wasted rookie season. But second, third and fourth year, he keeps gradually improving, but he hasn't had the opportunity to have a, you know, a huge season, a 50-plus catch season. So I think there's, there's opportunities there. One guy, Sean, I'd, I'd be good to get your opinion on this, um, Rashad Higgins. 25-year-old receiver. He was due, and um, I was really hoping he'd have a big breakout season in 2019. Really good signs in 2017 and 2018. But he was injured, ankle injury at the start of the season. And then when he came back, he was a bit, pardon the pun, in Freddie Kitchen's doghouse. Um, And unfortunately, as did the Browns' season go, he just kind of faded away into obscurity. I think there's talent there, Sean. Just before I go on to my last one, what, what's your thoughts on Rashad Higgins? Yeah, I think you've summed it up quite nicely there. He's, he's one of the more curious cases of the Cleveland Browns 2019 campaign, to be honest. He had a good opening game. Um, yeah, it was a big part of the offence, as you said, You know, back end of the previous year. Um, he, he's he's you know developed a good chemistry or seemingly developed a good chemistry with Baker Mayfield. Um, like I say, good first game, and then essentially just never saw him again throughout the season. He battled an injury. Um, I think he felt he was ready to return and was quite vocal about the fact that he thought he should have returned um, when he wasn't activated on a game day. And he just never really saw the field from there, to be honest. Um, Really, really curious. The Browns probably threw to their number one and number two receiver more than anyone in the league last year. And that was a big problem with the offence. There was just no number three receiver at all. And I think a little bit like what you just said there about you know um, Demarcus Robinson, Higgins not necessarily going to 
command the workload, you know, of a number one or number two receiver, but certainly as a rotational piece, as a guy from the slot, potentially, um, you know, I think he, he can certainly offer something. I hope he sticks around in Cleveland. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, the front office is completely changed and the coaching staff. Um, so the front office that are back have got familiarity with him. Um, so it would be good to see him. Um, but with that being said, there's essentially no game tape now for the best part of, tw- of, of two years. So it'll be interesting to see what does happen. Yeah, yeah. And my, my final name, which is kind of similar in vain to what happened to Higgins season, is Robert Foster, who was on the Bills. He's, he's only been around a couple of seasons in the NFL, but he's averaging a career average of over 20 yards a catch. So all I would say is just give the guy an opportunity. Again, he just he absolutely disappeared into nothing on the on the Bills roster in, in twenty nineteen. Again, twenty eighteen he he had a, a monster ending to the twenty eighteen season and then it just all went to pot. So again, I think a change of location, a change of coaching system, and you've got someone who is an absolute burner who just needs that opportunity. So 26 years old, he would make, again, not, not a number one or number two, but he could be a great number three. And then you put him into specialist packages. Um, you could have all sorts of fun with him. So there's, there's, there's my four. Alan Nazard, Demarcus Robinson, Rashad Higgins and Robert Foster. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the market plays out, won't it? Because like you say, Amari Cooper probably the standout and his contract will probably, you know, certainly surpass anything else in free agency. It'll be interesting to see what kind of money some of these other guys get. Uh, James is a Steelers fan. We mentioned um, about them potentially needing some help with the position. Obviously, you know, as Lawrence said, Juju struggled in his first season as the true number one in the offence and how he battled some injuries. But is there anybody that you, from a Steelers perspective, would be looking at in free agency? You know, potentially some of these under the radar guys that Lawrence has just mentioned. I can't see us making a play for any of the sort of high end names. So Cooper, I don't think's the starter. I don't think Robbie Anderson's the starter, albeit I've heard thoughts about it. Obviously, Adrian Green, Emmanuel Sanders, forget about it. Um, I'd had Higgins penned as one of my potential options, but if you're then looking at this year sort of becoming a team of wide receiver threes, trying to be a wide receiver two. Um, so you've got James Washington, Deontay Johnson. Um, don't know if Ryan Switz is still going to be around, but um, there's a few different, you know, options that they're trying out. It needs one of them to step forward. I think the Steelers will be patient. I think they'll try and let those three have another go with, with Big Ben at quarterback. So I think they'll sort of see it out for another year, even though this there's also the point that this is probably one of the strongest wide receiver draft classes that there's been in years. So if there's one hanging around in one of the later rounds and there's a pick available, you might see them having another throw at the dice. So I can't see them making too much of a splash in free agency on receivers. I think they'll probably look to strengthen elsewhere at the moment. Yeah, it will be interesting. You can pretty much guarantee if Rashad Higgins does end up with the Steelers, he'll become a number one road receiver, let alone a number three, because that would obviously just be the Browns' look. <laughs> but we will wait <laughs> to see what happens. Uh, Tim, will get you up to speed with free agency altogether over the course of the coming weeks. 
Um, the man will be back um, doing some solo pods, uh, all things free agency. So, boys, we'll move our attention elsewhere and we'll just talk about a couple of other names in the receiving group. And we will start off by me coming to James, who's going to talk to us a little bit about a very big name wide receiver. And that, of course, is Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, the enigma that is OBJ. So, obviously, he had his big trade over to the Browns in the last offseason. Um, he wanted away from Eli Manning. We all thought Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham Jr. Here we go. Some long passes, long to, you know, strutting into the end zone, all sorts of antics. Browns fans are heading to the playoffs, and it didn't happen. Um, and there are numerous reasons why it didn't. But I mean, look at it as the in the overall twenty eighth in receptions, twenty sixth in receiving yards, tied fifty ninth in touchdowns. He only had four, so. You say he only just topped the 1,000 plateau at 1,035 yards on 74 receptions. Him and Jarvis Landry shared the load quite a lot in Cleveland. They both had very similar target shares, around a quarter um, each. But there, as we mentioned before when we were talking about Higgins, they didn't really have a lot of other options, essentially. David Njoku was a bit of a disappointment as well. They couldn't find a wide receiver three who would essentially be trusted to take the load. Higgins probably should have been given more looks, to be honest, but it meant that OBJ didn't maybe get everything that he wanted. Um, only one game this season did he score... Well, only two games this season did he go over 100 yards, and only one of them did he go above 102, which was the 161 yards he got against the Jets in the penultimate week of the season, where, realistically, it was a bit of a dead rubber. So even that makes the stats look a bit questionable. Obviously, there's been trade rumours because what happens when players come to new places and struggle? People start wondering maybe they should get shipped out. Um, the three I've heard through this offseason have been potential return to New York, but with the Jets. Um, a lot of people talking about potentially the Packers trying to make a run for him. And also a few little murmurings that the new franchise, well, the new Vegas Raiders. I know new is a bit of a a bit of a weird way of putting it, but the old Oakland Raiders essentially are considering having another go at going for a very character heavy wide receiver in the off season after the Antonio Brown experiment, and we all know how that went. Um, ultimately, I don't see him. I can't see him going anywhere at the moment. The Browns have said that they intend to keep him. They just want to see a lot more of him, both around the facility. You know, less swanning about on boats and more getting in the hours with Baker. And with the with the receiving coaches, so it would be a good look. He didn't help in the regular season that he was talking about, you know, being a bit disillusioned with the Browns. But in the off season, he seems to be a lot more, you know, thinking on the mindset that he's staying and that he needs to work a bit harder. Similarly, with land with the Landry situation, he's probably almost in an exact similar boat as OBJ. People are thinking about trade talks, but he probably isn't going anywhere either. So. They're going to have to work things out together. Um, but thinking about them trade possibilities, the Packers is the one that's got the most airtime. And while they do need, they've got Devontae Adams, who I still think is a good number one receiver for that team. And he still has the chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. After that, uh, again, it's a series of wide receiver threes trying to be a two. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Jake Kumaro, 
Geronimo Allison, Alan Lazard, all of these guys have had a go and no one's really stuck it down. And if they had a proper receiver two in place, you'd think they'd be unstoppable. But it's not a cap-friendly situation. The, you know, the, the, the uh, contract that OBJ signed just before he left the Giants is quite an inhibitor to quite a lot of teams. And the Packers would very much struggle to crowbar that in, along with re-signing some of their existing talent as well. So I don't see that happening, however much I think people are salivating over the idea of Rodgers to OBJ. But I'm afraid they're just going to have to keep on dreaming. The Jets, I don't think, is a starter at all. Uh, I'm not even going to go there, to be honest. And the Raiders, I think they've been burnt once. They'd be wise not to get burnt again. Um, the, the Browns are going to want a big haul for him. They're not going to just give him away. He's not that much of a problem, I don't think. He actually, even though we've been saying about, you know, in fantasy, he was drafted very high. Um, so in the top four wide receivers taken in most drafts, everyone was expecting him to have a monster year. And he was, I think he was wide receiver 25, if that. Um, but everyone drafted him high, even with the injury risk from the previous years. But he played 16 games this season and yet still failed in every category or at least dipped compared to his performances with the Giants. So we'll sort of have to see how next year goes. There's, there is history that most players, as soon as they, when they're traded in an off-season to a new team, they always have a drop in their first season as they get to learn the system. So maybe you know time is the greatest healer and maybe he comes out and has a monster year next year. I don't know. But I still imagine him being in Cleveland. It would take quite a move for him to go across. So... We shall see where that takes place. We will indeed. Um, Lawrence, obviously, is a player that used to play in the NFC East. Um, you know, he obviously carries a lot of baggage around with him. His talent is undeniable when he actually puts it all together and he's out on the field. He can make some special plays and some highlight real plays. Um, you know, just quickly get your take on it. Where do you think LBJ does play next year? Um, you know, for what it's worth, I'm with James. I think he probably does stick in Cleveland, but you, you see that being any different or you're going to make it three for three? No, I, th- I think he stays in Cleveland for another season. I think the fact that Freddie Kitchens is gone, I think that was that was just a, a marriage that ended in divorce, in a, in a quickie divorce. And I think that's going to benefit him. I, I really think it was just one of those cases where where he just, that didn't work. We we you know we 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 talked about it during the end of the season, didn't we, Sean? About the the fact that they'd lost respect. The players had lost respect, and they kind of they weren't playing for the team. And it it just kind of it it just kind of that whole season was just kind of went as a bit of a disaster. I think Odell Beckham, unfortunately, it seems he's he's been a bigger name than he has been a performer over the past two seasons. And I think what, what he's got to do is get, get back to his roots before, you know, they, it, it kind of swings around about us, isn't it? On that, that incredible catch where, you know, Chris Collinsworth said, that's the greatest catch I think I've possibly ever seen. From that moment, that elevated um, Odell Beckham to this completely new stratosphere of superstardom. And he hasn't quite matched that ever since. They've, they've, you know the 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 media, fantasy kind of people have put him on this pedestal, and he hasn't really deserved to be on there. He hasn't had these 
incredibly... He, he hasn't had a, a sort of Michael Thomas-like season. And I think he needs to just shut up, stop talking to um, field goal kicking nets and just get on and do his job. And if he does that, hopefully he can have a successful um, career in Cleveland. He just needs to focus, get on with his job and, and you know, not worry about what's going on around him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, if he can pull it all together, he's certainly got the talent in his locker. Um, be interesting to see if he does bring it out this coming season. Uh, James, just give us a quick rundown. I know you've been doing some sort of prep work from a fancy perspective, but you've got some interesting stuff for us in terms of wide receivers. And, you know, it's always a little bit buyer beware with free agency. You know, we'll cover that off over the course of the next few weeks. But there's certainly a number of wide receivers who are probably let's say, not living up to their contract status? No, there's, there's, all, well, there's always, with contracts and average salaries and everything else, you've always got to take a few things with a pinch of salt. Obviously, rookie deals, you think someone is, you know, you think, wow, that's a good deal, and then you raise the start in a rookie year. You know, Chris Godwin, say, for example, he's not exactly paid a lot, but he's, up there with Mike Evans as a tied wide receiver one, really, in Tampa Bay. And you just think, how are they getting away with paying him so little? Oh, yeah, he's still only a few years removed from actually being drafted. However, there is a few players at the other end of the spectrum where you think he gets paid how much? Um, just to pick a few examples, I, what I've done is I've taken the average salary of each wide receiver and just put it in order. And nothing, as simple as that, obviously, Julio Jones is $22 million, and touched on him a bit earlier. He's the only person above 20 million a season. Michael Thomas second on 19 and a quarter. Um, but if you go down, some interesting names crop up. One person who's probably worth giving a little bit of airtime to is Sammy Watkins. Ninth highest paid in the league. However, you know, on the back of winning a Super Bowl. However, he's talked about potentially retiring or taking a year out because he's a bit, I don't know whether he's a tired, lethargic or bored, but essentially he seems... You know, he seems to want to rest. I mean, considering his early years were blighted by injury over in Buffalo, and then he's moved over and suddenly had a bit of a lease of life. But as fancy owners all know, he's very much, he'll turn up for about three games a season, and the rest of the time, you know, you've just got to try and sell him. Um, but he's coming into the last year of his deal worth $16 million a season, um, which, to put in perspective, is more than the likes of Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, um, and, well, AJ Green's current deal, albeit obviously he's in line for a new deal because he's ran out last year. Um, the next person that I'm going to go with is Tyrell Williams. So he's technically, and I use inverted commas on this, I know you can't see it, but uh, the number one for the Vegas Raiders, uh, the 19th highest paid wide receiver in the league, over 11 million. I mean, boys, would you actually spend? Would you think Tyrell Williams is worth eleven million a year? No, he was—he was a prime overpay candidate in free agency last year, wasn't he? And somebody did uh, overpay, and uh, like you say, he was the Raiders. Yeah. So, so I'm going to sort of chuck three more names at you. All of these are in the top thirty. So Devin Funchess, who was at Indianapolis last year. Jameson Crowder at the Jets and Quincy Anunwa also on the Jets. So we say the Jets have got no wide receiver time, yet they're paying two of the th two of the top thirty highest salaries for wide receivers. 
on two players who are either injured or not being particularly productive. Now, obviously, there's plenty of caveats with, you know, the deals needed to be done at the time and cap space was available. But you do have to question some of these decisions sometimes, especially when, you know, a few years down the line, things will get rescheduled and suddenly you are struggling. So I just thought it was a bit interesting to highlight that while we say that there are some wide receivers on great deals, there are some horrible deals out there. There certainly are, mate. Lawrence, did you want to say something, buddy? You look like you were primed to comment. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that Jets situation is absolutely bizarre, isn't it? I mean, Jameson Crowder was formerly on the Redskins, a talent, and it was all, I was always saying, oh, next year he's going to break out. Next year he's going to be a, you know, 90 catch, 1300 yard receiver, and it just didn't happen. And so I, I think that whatever's going to happen, the Jets are going to make some some big splashes at wide receiver with, with you know, before they start the season. And yeah, Quincy and Nunwa, wow, just no thanks. Crowder is, you know, he's got good hands, but he's he's not a number one receiver. And so, yeah, good luck Jets fans. And oh, and don't forget, this is, this is the same team that they, they must love Redskins rejects because they they picked up Josh Doxon as well. I don't know if you either of you yeah. guys saw that. So our our former first round huge bust um, is now with the New York Jets. I don't know if he'll even make it to Week One. I'm I am not confident that he'll be on the starting roster for Week One. But interesting, the Jets have um, have taken a flyer on him. Yeah, certainly not exactly helping Sam Darnold, are they, over in New York. Right then, boys, that's a bit of wide receiver chat. Let's see about some wide receiver knowledge. Time for the quiz, lads. Let's move in to third down. So we've brought this back for the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the full 10 questions will be back once the season kicks off, testing your week-to-week knowledge. So a little bit more difficult, lads. Let's get your thinking caps on and go down memory lane and see what you remember from the 2019 season. With regards to the wide receiver position, um, I will also add in there, boys, just as a little bit of a a clue for you. There are a couple of answers on here that aren't actually wide receivers. There might be a running back or a tight end that creeps into the questions. Don't blame me. Tim wrote the questions. Mm. Same as as last week, boys. Ten questions. I'll read them out, give you time to think of your answer, and then we will keep score as we go. Hopefully, Lawrence can give James more of a run for his money than Alex did last week. We'll see how we get on. Right, boys. Eyes down looking. Question number one. Play along at home, obviously. Which player had the highest catch percentage against targets last year? So which player had the highest catch percentage against targets last year? And I will give you a clue on this one, boys, because it's a difficult one as a starter. It was a running back from the AFC. So which player had the highest catch percentage against targets last year? And as uncomfortable silence doesn't make for the greatest of podcast experiences, I'm going to rush you along, gents. James, I'm going to come to you. Have you got an answer, buddy? Uh, Well, the short answer is no, I haven't. Um, (laughs) 
just trying to go through AFC, AFC running backs who are going to be heavy on receptions. Um, I'll, I'll throw mine in. What? I'm going Duke Johnson. <laughs> Duke okay. Johnson. Good James. I'm just going to revert to type and get and just because I could only think of my own team, James Connor, even though he was injured. But if this is a percentage, he was decent while he played and he was out so many times. So I'll just, I have, in the absence of anyone else, James Connor. If you listened in last week, you'll know James is very good at guessing. And the answer is James Connor. He got no 18, 89.5% of his targets were converted to a catch, 34 out of 38. Lawrence's luck is priceless. I wish that we could have this in um, visual format. Question number two. Which player had the most receiving touchdowns last season with 11? So which player had the most receiving touchdowns last year with 11? Okay, Lawrence, come to you. He plays a musical instrument, doesn't he? Saxophone. It's Kenny G. Yeah, Kenny. <laughs> same. I think it's Kenny Galladay as well. It is indeed Kenny Galladay. Point apiece. Well done, boys. Question three. Two players had at least 20-plus yards per reception on their, catchy, on their catches last year. Can you name either of them? Mike Williams and AJ Brown. Mike Williams, AJ Brown, and James. <laughs> I had AJ Brown in my head. Do I only need to pick one? You only need to pick one, mate. Do you want to go with I'll AJ go AJ. Brown? I'm going to go AJ Brown. It's the one I was more comfortable with. Yep, both correct. And Lawrence, yep, Mike Williams as well. No extra bonus points, unfortunately, mate, but good knowledge. Question four. How many players recorded over 100 receptions on the season? How many players recorded over 100 receptions on the season? And as I said, boys, bear in mind this could include anyone that catches a ball, so there could be running backs and tight ends included in that. Let's see if James has fired up the guest machine. Have you got one, buddy? Uh, so I'm going to name a few out loud. <clears throat> I think Michael Thomas, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Hopkins, probably someone like Julio Jones. And on the basis that there's probably someone else I've forgotten, like Kelsey or Keenan Allen, maybe, I'm going to go five. Five for James. Lawrence? Yeah, I was going to go the same amount. I was going to go five. I'm sure. I'm sure I had it in my head because I, when I was doing my my homework, I'm sure that was one of the things I looked at. It was indeed good homework, mate. Five, well done. Keeping it tight. That's what we like to see. Question five: Which New York Jets receiver had one reception on the season for minus four yards? Which New York Jets receiver had one reception on the season for minus four yards? It's ironic we just talked about how good that Jets wide receiving core is, haven't we? God. Right. Okay, Lawrence, let's come to you first this time, buddy. Was it 
Chris Herndon, the tight end, who got injured, or did he not even make the field? So, yeah, wild guess. Chris Herndon and James? <laughs> I, bet, I think I mentioned him earlier, Quincy Anunwa. It is indeed Quincy Anunwa. That's what oh. your 30th highest paid wide receiver gets you, minus four yards on the season. Halfway stage. Halfway stage, James, five out of five. Lawrence, some catching up to do, three out of five. Still a chance though, mate. Keep uh, keep your chin up. Question six. Which wide receiver had the most receiving yards in a single game on the season? Which wide receiver had the most receiving yards in a single game on the season? I'll give you a bonus point if you can tell me the yardage as well. James? Um, it's not going to be the game I mentioned with OBJ's 1-6-1 against the Jets, is it? Although, that's all I've got, so... Um, Are we going with OBJ 1-6-1? I don't think it is OBJ, I think. I'm just... No, it was one of the, it was an early week. I'm going to go Devontae Adams. I have a vague recollection of my fantasy team blowing up one week, and I think it was his fault. Okay, so we'll go with Adams. Do you want to have a guess on the yardage? Oh, um, so I've got some darts highlights on the moment, so I'm going to go 180. <laughs> I think no. I think it might have been I think it might have been over 200, but I'm just going to go 180 just for this. My father-in-law will be proud. Very topical. Very topical, Lawrence. I'll go with the guy we talked about a lot. I'll go with Amari Cooper having a big game, 217 yards or something. Ooh, right. So it was Amari Cooper. So that's one point back. Yeah. <laughs> but it was 226 yards. So very oh, close, mate. Nine yards out. Very Damn close. But he makes the score five to four. Can the comeback be completed? Which wide receiver had the most receptions for Philadelphia? Which wide receiver had the most receptions for Philadelphia? Obviously had lots of injuries at the position, but which wide receiver ended up with the most receptions on the season? Okay. James, let's come to you. We can't say Zach Ertz, can we? (laughs) No, so it, 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 it is a wide receiver. Yeah. It is a wide receiver. So which which one of the wide receivers had the most catches? Zach Ertz probably did have the most receptions, but no, this is a wide receiver. To be fair, my top three would have been Ertz, Goddard, Sanders, and none of them are wide receivers. <laughs> so on that basis, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go obvious and say Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey and Lawrence. I'll go the ugly Agalor. It was Alshon Jeffrey. The gap back to two, three points to play for. Question eight. Which wide receiver fumbled the ball on the most occasions on the year? Which wide receiver fumbled the ball on the most occasions on the year? Lawrence, let's come to you first, buddy. Jesus. Uh, it wasn't him. It's probably... 
it's it's going to be I, I I don't know, but I'm, I'm profiling someone who's either a rookie or a second year player because they're getting used to playing in the league. So I'll, I'll go AJ Brown. AJ Brown and James. Oh, I've I've got a fifty fifty going on in my head because. As a Steelers fan, I'm all too aware of our own problems at holding the ball sometimes. And I know when, as a returner, Deontay Johnson had a few problems. But I have a feeling Stefan Diggs may have had more. So I'm going to go Diggs. Oh, the guest machine has let you down, buddy. It was Deontay Johnson. Ah! Oh. <laughs> Keep Home it advantage. Keep it well. tight, boys. This is, like, right. this is like the Steelers quiz. <laughs> I know. I should, I'm almost disappointed at that one now. Right then, here's the question that you were both waiting for. Oh, God, here we go. Oh, God. Within, Tim put 50. I might make it more harsh than that. Within 30, how many players caught a pass this season? Within 30... How many players caught a pass this season? See the boys' calculators working in their brains. Lawrence, you need this point, buddy. No pressure. Okay. Come on then. Give me give me the number. One hundred and twenty. I'm going way higher. Just because you always get the fancy world, you always get so many deep leagues and stupid numbers of players. I'm going to go 488. 488. I've got to question your math there, Lawrence. I've got to be honest, 120. <laughs> How many players caught a ball? If it had been wide receivers alone, it might have been sensible. But if you're talking quarterbacks, tight ends... Uh, oh, offensive so it's just receivers. Sorry, I, t- I took it. I took it as any player to catch. It is any oh. player to catch. Do you want to have another guess, Lawrence? I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you the. I'll chance. triple it. I'll triple it. I'll say three hundred and sixty. Three sixty. You're still a mile away. It was. It was four hundred and ninety-one. <laughs> Good guessing, James. Just three away. Four hundred ninety-one. And question 10, no drama involved, but just for the hell of it anyway. And if anyone's playing along at home for a full house, within 30, if you were to add up the receptions for the leading wide receiver, the leading running back and the leading tight end, how many receptions do you have on the season? So within 30, if you add up the receptions for the leading wide receiver, the leading running back and the leading tight end, how many receptions do you have on the season? James, come to you. 362. 362. And Lawrence? I'll go 360. 360. It's 362. Unbelievable. <laughs> He's got it on the button. Lawrence is shaking his head in disbelief. I can honestly say I haven't shared these questions with James in advance. But uh, a stellar performance there, my friend. You only actually end up getting, uh, what, two questions wrong. 
So yeah. eight out of ten. If anyone's beaten that at home, well done. Let us know. Lawrence, good effort, buddy. Back to the textbooks, though, I'm afraid, mate. More work to be done. Right then, boys, Fair let's enough. get into fourth down, which, of course, is now your down. Fourth down. Okay, as always, we are now asking you to set the agenda for fourth down. And this week, you want us to talk a little bit about XFL and, in specifics, an XFL player that has caught our eyes over the first few weeks of the season and that potentially could make the transition into a NFL franchise in the coming campaign. Um, boys, obviously, I've made no secret of the fact that I've been really impressed with the XFL so far. Um, so I'd be interested to hear your takes on this. And James, I know you talked to me earlier about the tight end for the Dallas Renegades that's caught your eye, Donald Parham. Give us the rundown. So, it's he's got the measurables that are going to make, you know, NFL teams even take note. He's six foot eight, two hundred fifty-seven pounds. He's got speed. He's very. He's, his main downside is how raw he is, in that he's not had a lot of football experience. But this may be one of those scenarios where the XFL is an absolute, you know, it's a, it's a life changer for him, in that it gives him a chance to get experience at a. What I will say is definitely very competitive level. It's been impressive so far, I have to admit. Um, so, say even though he played late, he's been showing quite good. Um, well, showing really well this season, and I could just imagine him, you know, fitting in in a lot of teams. Tight ends a struggling position, I would say, in the NFL. So, you know, you get a lot of ex basketball players. So height is obviously a huge factor, and he's got that in abundance. So. I can see him. I can see him being one of these that really does take the XFL by the scruff of the neck, really, you know, run with it, and then potentially get a few, you know, tryouts, call ups, and then, you know, may well make the jump across. Yeah, and he was actually on a practice squad last year. And Lawrence won't surprise you. He was on the Redskins practice squad. Did he make any noise in pre-season? No, he did not. No, I've got I've got no recollection of him doing anything special. The guy that I was monitoring from a Redskins perspective in terms of tight end that people probably don't talk about is Jeremy Sprinkle, who's pretty much the last man standing in with the Redskins in terms of tight end at the moment. So no, he he, he wasn't on my radar at all, I have to admit. Ironically Sprinkle is pretty much a description of how many passes he got. You can tell someone listens to Tim's podcast, can't you? Uh, um, <laughs> now he um, he certainly started off the season well. He's made a nice connection with Landry Jones the last couple of weeks, and and yeah, like you say, um, yeah, a couple of highlight plays. Certainly got some speed for a big guy, so he's definitely one to watch. Uh, Lawrence, anyone caught your eye so far? Well, I've got a guy who's probably about a foot shorter than our <laughs> tight end friend. So I've got the five foot ten inch tall Austin Prohl, the wide receiver, drafted by the Bills in the seventh round in the twenty eighteen draft. He spent time on two practice squads in the NFL in twenty eighteen on the Titans and the Rams. And then he was drafted in the and this is the bit that I have to educate myself because I'm I'm learning about the XFL slowly. He was drafted in the open draft part of the selection process. So I understand there was a, a formal 
draft with rounds in it and then a bit of a free-for-all. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, so essentially what they did, not sort of traditional like the sort of standard NFL draft, they drafted by position grouping. Um, and then once the position grouping drafts had been done, anybody that was left was essentially then in that open portion of the draft. And as you say, that's where Pro was picked up. So picked up by the Seattle Dragons, and he actually made a bit of history, which, Sean, you're going to quote me on what was his most historical moment? First touchdown of the XFL season. You're testing my knowledge there, aren't you? Ah, you did brilliantly. You did brilliantly. Yep. And what makes it interesting is, even though he went to North Carolina in terms of college and he, he grew up elsewhere, he was actually born in Seattle. And this is where perfect little plug into the retro division of the full 10 yards because Austin Prohl's dad is Ricky Prohl and Ricky Prohl had an absolutely awesome NFL career 669 catches almost 9,000 yards played for 17 seasons for about six teams he caught the lone touchdown in the 1999 NFC Championship game that was when Kurt Warner was kind of having his miracle season in that bizarre 11-6 win against the Buccaneers and Ricky Prohl went on to actually win two Super Bowl rings and play in four Super Bowls in total so in terms of bloodlines Austin Prohl you know you can't do much better than probably one of the greatest slot receivers in NFL history obviously you know with the exceptions of the the likes of Edelman and Wes Welker, but Ricky Prohl was an absolute difference maker um, over his almost two decades in the NFL. So Austin Prohl, I think he's caught 12 catches, 162 yards so far. Again, he's not, he's not, a, um, he's not an outside receiver. He's going to be a slot receiver, but he's already caught three touchdowns and we're only three weeks into the season. So there's my name. He might be tiny in stature, but big in performance. So watch out for more of Austin Prohl in terms of XFL highlights. Yeah, good shout, mate. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like I say, he has been a big weapon in the Dragons' offence. Uh, I'll flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. The offensive guys obviously getting a lot of noise. I could talk about PJ Walker. I could talk Cam Phillips, who have been impressive for Houston. But I'm going to talk about a guy who I'm going to struggle to pronounce, but I'll give it a go anyway. Olubunmi Rotimi, a defensive end for the New York Guardians. Hope I've done him justice there. Um, he's been a bit of a wrecking ball, to be fair, on the defensive line. Um, probably got the ability, I'd say, with his, with his technique to play either a 4-3 or a 3-4. Um, he was actually picked up um, by the Chicago Bears back in the 2018 draft. Um, had a productive career um, at Old Dominion. Um, and he's got a good first step. He always seems to be in the backfield. Um, through the first two games of the season, I haven't added to the stat line that I'm keeping here, but through the first two games of the season, he managed 16 tackles and a sack. Um, you know, from the defensive end position, that's that's pretty decent going. Um, and like I say, he does have a good first step, seems to beat his, his opponent off the ball. Um, and, and to be fair to him, he's actually got pretty good lateral movement side to side as well for a big guy. He's 6'4", 273 pounds, so he's got the size. We don't give the defensive guys enough love. Often we always talk about the offensive guys. So a shout out there to a defender on a New York team that the defense is spending an awful lot of time on the field at the moment. Right, boys, that's fourth down done. 
Referees are running in. Let's get out of here. Time for the two-minute warning. That's the two-minute warning. Links us in quite nicely, boys, just to wrap up everything full 10 yards because the XFL podcast will make its way to you on Thursday with my good self and Michael talking everything week three and getting you set for week four. Some good action over the course of the weekend and some intriguing matchups on the schedule for this weekend. In terms of college stuff, Lee's done a very good podcast just explaining the NFL Combine and what it all means and what the guys are up to down in Indianapolis. So go and give that a listen, um, get you up to speed with what's going on as the college prospects try and make a good first impression in the NFL arena. Uh, As it's scouting Combine time, it's obviously time for mock drafts. Tim's dropped his first mock draft of the year and there'll be plenty of content in that regard coming out over the next few weeks. And all of the seasoning review stuff is up and done, so go and relive your team season. Just a shout as well to Lawrence in terms of the retro brand, a really excellent article on the original number 44 that dropped over the weekend. Uh, go and give that a read. Lawrence's knowledge as ever coming through in written format. Really interesting to learn about some of the old guys from NFL days gone by. Um, obviously a passion of yours, Lawrence, and I know you're going to kick off the retro brand in earnest in the coming weeks. Yeah, and it was um, it was particularly pleasing. So my um, my sort of feature article is about. Um, so we've got Carl Yuschuk now as the number forty four, the the kind of all star fullback for the Forty ers But to me, the number forty four is not Carl Yuschuk. Um, it's Tom Raffman, and you know, have a have a read about kind of his past. And I was absolutely delighted that. After I shared it with um, a few groups of people on Twitter, I got a like and a retweet from Garrison Hurst, who was a um, fantastic 49ers running back back in the, the late 90s, early 20th century. He had a 1,500-yard season, and he's probably most famous for a, a week one victory where he had a 90-plus-yard rushing touchdown to win a game in overtime. So if you if you go just put Garrison Hurst touchdown overtime and you'll see one of the single greatest kind of closing game plays in in NFL kind of um, overtime regular season history. Really great to have someone of of that ilk and kind of that you know part of the NFL folklore to to have a little read and and share as well. So I'm looking forward to trying to connect with. Um, lots of NFL players and coaches of the past so we can educate some of our younger listeners as to the the great NFL history and the great kind of rich past. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely passionate about it and, and look forward to it. And I'm open to requests. So if people want to tweet me at um, F10Y Retro, if they've got a, a player, and I'll probably make myself feel really old because someone will go, oh, can you do something for someone about 10 years ago? And they'll call that retro. So yeah, um, I'm I'm prepared for that. So I know how old I am. But yeah, try and try and take it back a little bit, um, and I'll have more fun with it. But yeah, open to requests. No, absolutely, mate. Looking forward to reading some more of your stuff when it does come out. Right then, boys, we've probably outstretched the two-minute warning, so we definitely must get out of here. So with that being said, it is goodbye from Lawrence. Take care, everybody. It's goodbye from James. See everyone.
Well done on another quiz win, my friend. And of course, it's goodbye from me in the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.